So let's turn to Luke, the first chapter, the 35th through 37 verses. The angel is speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she also she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And I want to preach tonight, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible. If you're comfortable with this, would you just close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven, and would you ask God to give you a personal revelation of His Word tonight? Lord Jesus, we know that you have power. We know you have power. We know, God, that you have all power and all authority. And Lord, tonight is not about hyping anybody up. Tonight is about just standing on your word in faith, believing that you are able to do anything. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Would you shout nothing? Nothing is impossible. God bless you as you're seated. Now, I am very excited about preaching this message. I've never preached it. This is, this is a message that I've, I have never preached. I've felt that, um, well, in the last week, I, the Lord started talking to me about it, and I'm just excited to be able to share it with you. I trust that when we leave here tonight, you will believe with all of your heart, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Luke one thirty seven again, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And let's just break this down simply. Nothing means nothing. Nothing. Won't you look at your neighbor and say nothing? Now break it down slowly and say no thing. No, no thing. Nothing is impossible with God. And I believe that we need a true revelation of nothing in our lives to propel us to something. If we could get a revelation of nothing, then it would propel us to something because God is wanting to do great things through every one of us. I mean every one of us. There are too many lost people in this world. There, there, there are too many people that, that even think they know Jesus that need to know him stronger. There are too many people around us in our families that we need the revelation that there is nothing that is impossible. Luke 1 and 7, and they had no child. Because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Luke 1 and 18, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. This does not sound like that there's going to be a great happy announcement coming from this couple. 
because now she's past the age of childbearing. And, and he questions the angel due to them both being old. I realized something on the plane last night when I was studying this, that by biblical standards, I must be now well stricken in years. I, I did not realize that. Because if Zacharias, now some of you Bible scholars, you may be able to help me out with this, but if Zacharias was still active in, in the ministry, I'm thinking that he was not over 50. I could be wrong. He could be much older than that. But I can tell you this, when I read well stricken in years, it made sense to me. I feel like every year that I get older, something is striking me. And so now I realize that, that when you start getting my age, you are well stricken. How many of you feel like that, that your age is striking you just a little bit more every, every year? Those of you that did not write, raise your hand, you have a lot to be thankful for. Later in the book of Luke, there is yet another impossible situation addressed and it's Luke eighteen twenty seven, and he said, Jesus speaking, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And I stand here tonight saying that we must believe that God can do anything. And our belief in him is very important to him. It's very important to God, even you great group of young people, and I love this Sunday night arrangement when there's so many fine, there are so many fine looking young people in this church. It is very impressive. And they even worship, and they even look good. They even sing good. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. We see that prayer alone is not enough. It's not enough just to clock in and say your prayers. It's not enough for me to just pray about this and pray about that, and then pray about this and pray about that. And what we really need to be careful of is that we do not make a relationship with God a ritual with God. And what can happen is in our ritualistic approach to God, we can pray and never believe. But what God wants us to do is, is know that when we pray, when we believe, we, we said some prayers tonight. We prayed for some people. It's very important that we do more than mouth what we want. But we believe when we pray for people that they will be healed. And whenever we pray and we commission angels, ministering spirits to go and work in the lives of people that are not even here, we need to believe that the angels are flying and ministering to these people. I would like for you to think right now of a personal desire that you feel is in the will of God, a desire that you've been praying about, a desire that you know you can never do it and your connection can never do it. It's going to take God. Do you have that in your mind right now? If you do, close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven right now and pray about that situation and don't just mouth it, but believe it right now. It may be something you've been praying for for decades. Just lift your voice right now. Pray and believe.
Pray and believe. There are some situations that, that, that we've quit praying about. It, it's time to bring those situations back right now and pray about those situations. Tell God, I believe. I believe. Even if you have to add to that prayer what, what that, that man had to, to add. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Every one of us get into situations where we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed. Well, it's okay to even kick into that prayer if you need to. Lord, I believe. I'm believing with everything I can. But now I know there's some unbelief within me. Help my unbelief. It is so great that we serve a God that when we step out and try to start walking in faith, He even understands our struggle to walk in faith. And He says, I'll help you to walk in faith. You, you're believing, you're trying your best to believe, but your, your head is up against the wall. You're having a struggle. Don't go back this way. I'm going to take your hand. Go ahead and say, I believe, and then go ahead and acknowledge that you're fighting in some area, and that's when you can say, okay, God, I believe. Now help my unbelief. He's not casting you out. He's not putting you down. He's here to help you, help us, because with God, nothing shall be impossible. The things which are impossible with man are possible with God. Impossible man, but possible God. Man has limits, but God has no limits. And in the day we live in, pushing the limits is big business for mankind because man can make history by exceeding the limit of another man. If one man sets a record, then all another man has to do is break that record. And this is the reason why the Guinness World Book of Records is so very powerful. However, we can name the most amazing record in that book, and the record itself draws attention to a limit because broken records still represent a limit. It's a limit of what the person was able to do, and it, it may have surpassed the limit of someone else, and now maybe they may have the greatest limit. But even when they hold the record, it still represents a limit. There is a company called Red Bull, and they specialize in energy drinks. Drink all of that at your own risk. They, they also sponsor extreme sports competition. And Red Bull loves to sponsor people that will push the limits. And it can be motorbikes or it can be free ride mountain bikes. It can be skateboarding. I don't know how many of you remember the, the famous space jump in 2012 by a man named Felix Baumgartner. We were, we were doing a uh, marriage retreat in Natchez, Mississippi, and Brother Raymond Woodward was the guest, and we left the retreat, and we stopped by uh, Pig Out Barbecue in, in Natchez, and we were eating, and we needed to get on back because he had to preach, but we looked up at the television, and there was a man in a space suit. How many of you uh, saw that jump in 2012? And Felix steps out and he literally jumps 128 
thousand feet to the earth. And he enjoyed that. And there were a lot of parties and there was a lot of celebration. And guess how long that last? It lasted to 2014 because then a man named Alan, he, he comes and he says, if you can do it from 128,000, I can do it from 135,000. And so he breaks that record. Have, have you ever thought how God never faces extremes? Never. Have you ever considered statements God has never made and God will never make? God has never made and He has ne- and never, have, never has and never will make this statement. Oh, myself, I'm in big trouble now. You'll never hear God say that. God will never say, this is going to be a challenge for me. God will never say, I am out of options. He's never said it. He never will say it. God's never said and never will say, how in the world did I get myself in this jam? You can believe that God has never said, I can't believe I did that. What was I thinking? God's never said, how am I going to get myself out of this one? God has never said, they're in one now, there's nothing I can do about it. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. We have to understand that deep within our spirit, that nothing is impossible with God. So I have a challenge for you tonight, and I'm not going to preach a long time, but, but we need to get this in our spirit. We need to start intentionally living Psalms 26 and 7. And it says that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Now, there's no way I can stand up in this pulpit tonight and tell you all the wondrous works that has that God has done for me or people that I know, but I just felt like tonight I needed to share a few of them anyway. Now, I landed on this earth October the 20th, 1960, and unfortunately when I landed, my lungs collapsed, and uh, things were not very good at that time, but, but God can handle the impossible, and here I stand. Life goes on, and there's many things that I could say. I was 16 years old. I had my license three months, and uh, and I had I had worked since uh, since being a young boy. So uh, I had I had already bought my own car and had it in the driveway by the time that I had my license. Where I was just waiting, I was just having to watch it sit there until I could get old enough to drive it. And so I had it three months, and I fell asleep at the wheel while I was driving. And they said when I hit the man, I was probably going 70 miles an hour. But thank God, the way I hit him, it destroyed my car, destroyed his car. But, but he didn't get destroyed, and I didn't get destroyed. And there were businesses all on this road. And, and my car goes, goes through a mailbox and through a stop sign, barely misses a telephone pole. And in just that space, there was, a, there was room for my car to go spinning out in a field instead of hitting anything, the telephone pole, any of that. And so that was a day that my life could have ended, but God. How many of you have had those days when, when, your, when your life could have ended, but, but nothing is impossible with God? 
Oh, I remember a time, and I believe I mentioned this whenever we were talking, uh, as preaching in the mission service. I remember a time. My, my dad had passed away at age 42, and times were tough, and I was trying to help keep everything going at the house as a young man. And I remember um, pulling up to the house and seeing the bright orange um, little card on the front door that, that means it's only going to be a couple of days, and your electricity is going to be cut off. And so I was glad my mother didn't see that. I went and got it and, and, um, and hid it. And, uh, and I went and I prayed about it. I went to the church, literally took that, that little piece of paper to my church office. Now I was the janitor at the church. So when I say church office, that was the closet where the brooms and, and all that was, but there was a chair. And, and I, I remember putting that down on that chair and getting down on my knees and praying. And that was on a Friday because I really needed uh, a lot more money than what I had on Monday. And we decided to go see my aunt and uncle at a church uh, about an hour and a half away on Sunday. And I walk in and the preacher sees me and he calls me and he says, you're preaching this morning. And I said, uh, my Bible is out in the car. He said, well, that's not a good place for it. You probably need to go get it. And so I go out there and I preach and he paid me $200. And then as I was walking out, a man gave me $100. And then Monday I went to the mail and I had a check for $600. You know why? Because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I was all tied up. I was just working hard in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Didn't have time to do anything. Was working multiple jobs. And, but, um, this God used a man in my life. His name was Bill Patrick. He was my Christian school principal and uh, just a great, great man of God. But he told me, he said, pack your bags. I'm taking you to a young minister's conference. And uh, I said, I can't. I've, I, I can't. I don't have the money. And, um, and you know, I've got to work. He said, no, I'm paying for everything and I'm taking you to that young minister's conference. And so that was when I walked into the Pentecostals of Alexandria in Alexandria, Louisiana, the second because of the times. And I sat on the second row and looked up in the choir and Melanie was singing in the choir. And uh, that was where all of that started. See, here, here's, what, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm just hitting some different situations right here because he can take care of utility bills. He can put you where you need to be to connect with who your partner needs to be. You, you don't have to drive yourself crazy. I've told people so many times, pursue God with everything within you. Periodically look beside you. God's going to work this thing out. I'm telling you, God is concerned about every area of our life, and with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. We've got to get this through our mind. God can handle it. God blocked me from accepting two ministry positions that would have been devastating for me had I taken them and they both looked a whole lot better than what I was doing at the present time. It's like church janitor or assistant pastor who has to pray about that.
Four boys in our family. My oldest, my oldest brother, my dad's namesake, he rebels at age 17. Never forget it. As long as I live, seeing him angry with, with that armload of clothes hitting that front door, and he never came back. And his life became a mess. There were times that, that we would be able to talk to him, and he'd be civil, but as time went on, there was even a little small period of time whenever he moved to Alexandria and was working for my father-in-law in the Ford dealership that he came to church and he was a part of it a little bit, but, but never really sold back out to God. And that didn't last long. And, and his, his life was a mess. Age 17 to age 54. And at Age 54, I was preaching one Sunday night, and a prayer warrior, my mother's friend, a prayer warrior, walked up to me after I was through preaching. She held out a CD. She said, anoint this and pray for it. God told me to send this to your brother. And I took it, and I smiled. I said, oh, thank you. I turned around to get the oil, and in my mind, I was thinking, God had better had told you because this is going to be bad, because we could not bring up God. We couldn't bring up the church. I mean, my dad died with him away from God. I could tell you stories about what our family went through with him. It, it, was, it was horrible. Jack gets that CD, and he's driving down the road in Oklahoma, driving down the interstate. He said, I got that CD, and I thought, Oh, my goodness. I'll, I'll use those words since I'm here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't want to listen to this, but it's Linda. I've got to listen to it because it's Linda. He said, all I can say is, is that I put that CD in. And the Holy Ghost came in my car. He said to where I had to pull over on the side of the road. And this is what my 54-year-old brother said. And that is when I had a snotting, blubbering, tongue-talking reconnection with God. I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. My youngest brother pastors a church in Conway, Arkansas. My oldest brother is his right-hand man. My oldest brother is a soul-winning machine. My oldest brother runs one of the largest groups. My, my oldest brother brings a van load of people. My, my mother was on the phone with him a, a few years ago, and, he, and he's talking to her, and he hear, she hears him say, Hey, buddy, how you doing? And then, and then uh, she hears Jack say, Hey, hey, mother, I'll call you back. Uh, he just met the guy, and he baptized him that Sunday. Well, Why? Because with God, nothing is impossible. I'm talking about a brother who was out on drugs. I don't know how many women he's been with. I can't tell you how vile my brother became. 
But when the Holy Ghost spoke to a woman at the right time and she sent a CD, it wasn't anybody talking to him. It, God, God, if God you, speaks to us, then yes, we have to be sensitive. But God really doesn't need me. He wants to use me. God can use a CD. God can use whatever. God is not limited because the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. You're right, I'm trying to build your faith tonight. You keep praying for those lost kids. But pray and don't panic. Move back from your panic. You keep your faith in God and you keep praying. I could go on and on and I do want to share just a couple more things with you. And this is just scattered. This is so scattered, but this is exactly what I felt that the Spirit wanted somebody to hear. This house that we're living in, in here in this area now, we didn't even know. Melanie lands here wanting to look at another house. The owner wouldn't show it. Who has a house listed and then decides, not today, not going to show it, don't let them see it. That was how she found the house that we're in right now. Oh, that just went on the market the day before she came. And, it, and we just found out a couple of months ago, it sat empty for two years. What business deal are you worried about? What, what, what business situation are you pulling your hair out about? I have a friend, I have a friend, a preacher friend that had a 12-year-old boy. Well, years ago, he was 12 years old, and he went with his friends and was on this uh, water slide, this very high water slide, very high. And, and he came down to a dip in the water slide, had water in his eyes, the 12-year-old boy, thought he was at the bottom, and just stands up and steps off the water slide. And falls 60 feet. 60 feet. And when he hits, he just, he hits in between concrete. He hits in between steel beams. Hits some ropes. Had a bad rope burn and did not break one bone. A lady comes up to him after that happened. And she said, well, now I understand the dream that I had two weeks ago. He said, what was that? She said, I saw Keith falling and an angel grabbed his head and an angel grabbed his feet and laid him down on the ground. I'm just telling you. I, I, I got a couple more stories and a couple of thoughts, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you with God, nothing is impossible. The things which are impossible with man are possible with God. I just got finished. Uh, I was blessed to be with Brother Cornwell, and I preached in Wichita, Kansas, Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, last Sunday night, and then they have what they call a Bible college, and so uh, every so often, and so I taught. They had two-hour sessions, so I taught Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. 
And, uh, and so I was able to spend quite a bit of time with him and the man, uh, the man's wild. Uh, the man, he, he has personally taught, personally taught over 22,000 Bible studies. 22,000 Bible studies. Well, he was an evangelist. He started evangelizing when he was, when he was 22. And by the time, between 22 and 25, he had multiple 100 plus soul revivals. One, 360 people prayed through. Um, I mean, when I tell you that this man was mightily used by God, he's mightily used by God. But what, what he did back then was he would schedule one revival that he would get paid for. Then the next revival he would schedule for a home missions church or a small church to where he did that without pay and, and would leave them an offering. And so that was how he scheduled. And, you know, his, his revivals may, may go multiple weeks because they activated people and they knocked every door and, and, you know, in the city and just all of this kind of thing. So he said, I had a great revival in California and they grossly underpaid me. He said, now I've got to drive. It was several states away. And he said, I've got to drive there. And he said, we barely had enough money for, for, uh, for food. He said, we, we just had fuel and, and he said it was just bad. He said, when we arrived there at the church, at the little church, the place that they had us stay was just a trailer out in the middle of 30 acres. He says, just a trailer. He said, we didn't have any food. He said, so we're there and we're just praying and preaching and trying to have a breakthrough. And he said, and, and one day, uh, there was a knock on the door. He said, I opened the door. He said, there's a man standing there with something wrapped up in white freezer paper. He said, the man has a gray suit on, an out-of-date white shirt, and an out-of-date black skinny tie, olive complexion. He said, are you Brother Cornwell? And he said, uh, yes, I am. He said, I have something for you. So he hands it to him. He takes it. He said, I called uh, Sister Cornwell, uh, uh, come. So she comes and he said, I handed it to her and turned around and the man vanished in front of our eyes. He said, I run out on the porch because it's a trailer in the middle of 30 acres. He said, I am looking and there is nobody there. He said, um, now I've got ice water running in my veins and my wife's about to faint. She said, what do you think we should do? And he said, well, I, I get, oh, they unwrap it and it's two steaks. Steaks. He said, he said, I guess we need to cook them. So they cook the steaks and they eat them. And he, he said this, he said, I have been many places and I have never Tasted a steak yet that tastes like those steaks tasted. He said, so we, we go to church and, uh, now it's Sunday night. It's, it's about the end of the revival and the, and the pastor wants to take an offering. He said, but I said, no, um, no, you're not going to take an offering because that I've made a vow to God and this is, this is the revival that I will not charge. And the pastor said, well, we're at least going to put two baskets out on the altar. Now, there's 12 people at this revival. There's 12 people. And so he said, okay, well, that's fine. So they, they put it out. He preaches. He said, I walked by the baskets, and there were $2 in the basket. 
He said, so we locked the church up, and uh, we were the last ones out. The baskets are on the altar, and we go to McDonald's and eat as cheaply as we could possibly eat. He said, and we came back by the church because the pastor wanted to check the baskets. He said, I had already checked the baskets. There were $2 in the baskets. He said, we opened that door, and he said, our eyes fell on those baskets. He said, those two baskets were heaping with money. Heaping. He said, we went down to those baskets. He said, it was rolled up tens, twenties, fifties. He said, so? The pastor looked at me and said, we're probably supposed to go on with this revival. And he said, yes, I, I think the Spirit is telling us to go on with this revival. He said, they start, people started coming. They started getting a break. He said, the next Sunday night, he put those baskets out. He said, I walked by on our way out, same routine. He said, there were $4 in the basket. We went and ate. I said, uh, Big Macs this time, did you, did you eat bigger this time than, than you did? He said, oh yeah, quarter pounders with cheese. Yeah, we, we were eating, we were eating big that, that week. He, he said, and we rushed back to the church. Probably had indigestion as fast as they ate. Rushed back to the church, opened the door, and two baskets heaped with money. He said for five straight weeks, it was the same thing. He said, and there was, there was a break in that church. That church had revival. He said, and God just said, I'll take care of it. You can believe it or not believe it. But I can tell you, you're looking at a man right here that believes every word of that. Because the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. They're possible with God. The thing, there is nothing that is impossible with God. My uncle was just a great man. He was just great. We loved him. We'd travel to West Virginia, and he was the Sunday school superintendent of his church. And things were going great, but he got mad at his pastor. Got mad, got bitter, left the church, became an alcoholic. And I'm talking for years an alcoholic. When I was 53, five, five years ago, I wanted to take my mother to West Virginia because I had never really seen the family, all everything of the family. I said, look, if, if there's a house that y'all lived in or dad lived in or, or a tombstone that's got a shock name or some family name, I just, I just, we just need to go. So we go and I stayed with my uncle Jerry. And that, that's the first time in my life that I've been around an alcoholic. First time. Stayed three days in his very messed up home. I, I actually got to live for three days with an alcoholic realizing 
that in the morning, if, 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 you're, if you were going to get any kind of good conversation at all, it better happen in the morning because he was going to be bad by noon. And when we came in at night, it was going to be vile. And that's, that's really what my mother was saying, Terry, I, you know, we can do something else. I said, no, I need this education. I need this. So I got to talk to Jerry a little bit, but, but it was, but it was hands off and, uh, and he, he was not responding. Well, we, we had something at the, at the first of that year going in, uh, uh brother Anthony Mangan, uh, pastor Anthony Mangan, he, he passed out these cards and we were going to believe for the supernatural. And we were supposed to write down something on our card that it was going to take God to do. And I was standing on the platform where I stood, and I took out my card, and I, and I wrote, and it hit me, and I wrote, Uncle Jerry's salvation. We're praying for him. Of course, my mother had been praying for him for years and years and years and, and other people. Well, I hear just a matter of weeks later that, that Jerry's in intensive care, that, that, Jerry is, uh, that Jerry's probably not going to pull through. And I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, you know, oh, God, what, you know, what, what, what's going to happen here? And so then I hear that he's gone unconscious. And then I hear that he passed away. And I am thinking, oh, how? In the world did that happen? Then I heard the rest of the story. He went unconscious. He woke up. He lifted his hands to heaven and repented and prayed back through talking in tongues and then died in just a few hours. Well, why? Because the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. With God, nothing shall be impossible. You, you may be looking back at me and say, well, that, that's not exactly the way it happened in, in my family. All I can say is, is I know that God can do, and it's my responsibility to put my faith and my trust in Him, and then He'll have the final say. But I do not want to leave anything on the table because I didn't step out in faith and believe. Let's not repeat the tragedy in Psalm 78 and 19. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God? Can God? Psalm 78, 40 and 41. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. The limited limited the unlimited. The limited limited the unlimited. We can limit God. The question, can God, must... We, we never, never speak the word can before God. Can must always 
follow God. It's not can God, it's God can. Never let that thought in your mind. We must never question God's ability, even in the deepest recesses of our heart. God has the ability to change it now. God has the ability to sustain us while he changes it. Or God has the ability to sustain us while he changes us. Because an answer to prayer sometimes is no. Because God knows best. And so what we must do is put our our life in the position where we say, God can, God can, and never make the mistake of even thinking, can God. There is no such thing as can God. If any of you are wondering, can God get me through this, or can God take care of this situation, it's time tonight to change that to where you say deep within your spirit, and not just deep within your spirit, but it must come out of our mouth, because there's power in what we speak. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and that's the fruit that we are going to eat. Can God will not come out of my mouth, but God can will come out of my mouth. So I'm speaking to people right now that you could be facing your own Red Sea and your feet are wet and the enemy is approaching. I just say to you in your situation that you can't figure out, that you can't fix, and your feet are wet and the enemy is approaching. You just stand there and you look at that flood and you just keep saying, God can. God can. God can. Well, you're a fool. Well, I'll tell you what I'll be. Then I'll be a drowning fool. Because I can tell you I'm not backing up. I'm not looking around. And I'm never thinking, can God? There is no such thing as can God. Revelation 21 and 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That is one major list. Abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. But don't miss what leads the list. The fearful and the unbelieving. The fearful and the unbelieving. So why don't we end this message where we started? It's the angel talking to Zacharias. And guess what? He didn't believe. Now I'm not going to be hard on him. (laughs) Because I don't know that I'd have believed it either. I hope I would have, but I'm not even going to act like I would have. But his disbelief silenced him. Silenced him. And he didn't speak again until the promise came forth. I'm talking to some silent people right now that you need to open your mouth. We we can allow unbelief to shut us up.
And so we're, we're not speaking it any longer because we feel like that we would just be a fool. I'm not calling anybody else a fool because the Bible says don't do that. But we would feel like a fool by keeping on saying God's going to give us direction on this. My son's going to be saved. My, my daughter's going to be saved. We, we are not going to live the rest of our marriage as familiar strangers. We're, there's going to be fulfillment in this house. We, we are going to get in mutual submission in divine order. And we're going to place our home under the blessings of God. We are going to embrace the pruning. If you didn't hear that message this morning, you've got to hear that. We're, we're going to embrace pruning. I don't have to have it my way because God can do anything. God knows what He's put inside me. God knows me better than I know myself. He knows the way that I take. And when He hath tried me, I'm coming forth as gold. I'm not going to settle to just be bronze. I'm not going to allow my life to just be encapsulated in brass and try to uh, imitate gold. No, I'm going to give myself to the process and I will come forth as gold. And the reason why I will is because it's not can God... Can God make me what He wants me to be? Young people, don't even ask the question. You just say, God can lead me. God can guide me. God will. God will bring forth in my life what I feel in the Spirit. I don't see it now, but God can do it. There is no such thing as can God. I believe somebody's faith needs to rise tonight. And I need you, I think you need to take some grave clothes off of some situations. And I'm even challenging you now to go back and start claiming some things that you quit claiming years ago because you've cut a deal with doubt and you feel, I've just got to learn to live with this. It'll just never happen. I'll just never be able to be. That is a lie. For from the pits of hell. There is no can God. There is only God can. God can. God can. I'm standing. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will never allow, never allow my faith to be put down. I may lose faith in myself sometimes. I may lose faith in other people sometimes. But there won't be one minute of my life that I will lose faith in God. Because God knows. God knows. God knows and God can. God can. God can. Oh, somebody scream it out with me. God can. God can. Come on, say it again. God can. Oh, yes, God can. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. God can. God can.